We just finished a series on 1 John. We went four weeks, covered 1 John in an expository type of approach, which is good. Let the text speak for us and not speak for the text. But today, we're going to touch again on just three verses from John, 1 John chapter 4 again, which was preached last week. Let's go there real quick. 1 John chapter 4. And you might have remembered this, and if you don't, well, that's even better because you didn't even know I talked about it last week because you're on Facebook or you're texting somebody. It's okay, I do it too, especially when I'm talking. Excuse me. Okay, no, I'll be right back. Okay. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 says, this is John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, speaking. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God, in them. You can't separate love from God. It is who he is. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Like Jesus. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Yes. We're the church. We took his place. We took his arms and feet. Someone's a pinky in here and someone's a thumb. We are the body of the living God because Jesus is busy right now delegating to us as his church. Where was I? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's saying they're not ready yet. And we talked about this. I'm not talking about reverent fear of your God because the beginning, uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear in the Lord. But this is not the kind of fear he's talking about. He's talking about there's a place you should get in your practical daily life, yes, at work, where you should always have peace. And if you lost it, you know how to grab it right back. There's a place where you always know how to get it back when they made you mad, they didn't love you right, they spent all your money and took your bank account, they did all these things, they hurt you to the core, but there's a place even over that that God's love can prevail with peace. And so, so this perfect love casts out fear thing just came back again. It's like they're not hearing you in a generation full of anxiety. They're not hearing you in a world centered around worry as the planning system. How do we plan? We based on the worst scenario. We worry our way through life and that's what we go after. But perfect love casts out fear. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be wise. That means you should be, uh, you should be comfortable in the peace of God knowing that you don't have to sweat it that long. It's good to think, is this a good idea? Should I do this? That's a good thing. But to live in that is where it becomes poison to the heart. And he's saying, if you haven't recognized that yet, you have not reached this level of spiritual maturity that you can live in this perfect love and cast that out on the spot. And we all need a reminder. You know, the parable of the sower was talking about the seed. I'm jumping ship here, but it ties together. The parable of the sower talked about the seed that landed on the garden. The garden is not a one-time thing, but you have to till the garden every year of your life every day of your life so you can know this text and be a good theologian coming in here and looking for affirmation today but maybe you should be looking for understanding because God is going to show you something new anyway you came in qualified but God says I'm trying to show you something deeper here because you can forget the pastor can forget we're all flesh and we can forget what we know from the beginning because we're busy because we're distracted 
because we're stressed out and the cortisol levels are up here. Well, there's a reason they're up there because you're forgetting what God says and who he is. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. They're not ready yet. Look to your neighbor and say, you're not ready yet. Put it back in the oven. It's not ready yet. There's nothing worse than an uncooked brisket. Okay? It's not ready yet. But when it comes out perfectly, it's like butter, baby, right? It's perfect. Melts in your mouth. That's the way your life should be. I'm not saying you should be perfect, but we can live perfect in this peace that God is talking about here. So to provoke y'all with my icebreaker question, here goes. Have you ever been through a situation and asked God, why did you do that to me? Stomp your foot. Yes. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Good. Or maybe you've asked yourself, why would God do that to me? You're not directly challenging God, but you're talking about him under your breath going, why would he do that? Why would he do that to me? Maybe it's neither. Maybe it's neither. And maybe we just have this habit of bad thoughts roaming our minds. We don't even know where it comes from sometimes. It's like a regular broken record of bad thoughts. Does anybody ever have the dreams they wake up hyperventilating and they go, thank God it wasn't real? <laughs> sometimes you're crying. Everybody woke up crying in their dreams because of a nightmare. I still get scared at 43. I wake up crying for my mommy sometimes. It's okay. Cry for your mother and your father. Nobody has bad dreams in here. Okay, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm not lying, I'm just, I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm saying there's a point in where you have these panics of fear. And if you don't have them in everyday life, a lot of times you have them in your sleep. And then you wake up going, thank God that wasn't real. My wife still loves me, thank God. My kids are okay, thank God. It's like we just have these thoughts that circulate our minds and when they can't act on us in the conscious, they act in our subconscious. It's like bad seed. But God didn't put it there necessarily. In fact, God did not put it there. And we've, we've learned to just treat them like nothing. It's just normal. It's normal to have bad, tra traumatizing, worrisome thoughts about everything you do, especially when Corona hit. What do we do? We got really scared of life, right? Right? I don't know if that was a clap or that's my child's sippy cup dropping on the floor. Okay, that's my baby's cup. Thank you, Camilla. She tried to clap, just so y'all know. Maybe you should follow what she does. <laughs> oh, y'all too sweet. Don't lie to me. <laughs> what if those thoughts are there and prohibiting a move of God in your life? It sounds cliche. God is good. I know. Love is good. Jesus loves me. But take it to reality. What if those thoughts are plaguing your ability to grow in your walk? Why'd you come to church today? For affirmation or understanding? That's good. That means people come in really not wanting to know anything. They just want to get a pat on the back so they can keep going with the same problems they had yesterday. But that's not why we come to church. We come to church to have our eyes and ears open to spiritual understanding. And so maybe these thoughts that we're carrying around, and I still do it. It comes and goes. It's ebb and flows. Like maybe I should pay attention to what I'm thinking, what I'm ingesting, what I'm watching, what I'm seeing, what I'm talking about, because it can get out of balance. And now you are not who you think. But I'm so good. 
but I'm full of poison, you know, from all the junk. Maybe we don't even consider why these thoughts are floating around our mind like a group of ducks on a lazy river. They're just there. They're not really hurting anybody. They look harmless, Mike, but they're always there in the background of our mind. The reality is maybe through life we have unlearned or never learned the things of God, the peace of God, the truth of the gospel. Maybe we've never actually learned anything that we thought because we've just been around it, but we haven't absorbed it. And so it's pretty easy to blame God when you feel pain, especially when you've been faithful. But what if the enemy put that seed there? What if the enemy put that thought there to mess with you, to laugh at you and go, I got him again. So easy. Come on. I know it's not funny, but the enemy thinks it's funny that you live that way and stay that way. But that's not how you're supposed to live. That's not what perfect love, casting out fear, looks like. The enemy is the father. Everybody say father. The source, the origin is what that means, of lies. Never forget that. He is the source of lies, according to the text. And many times in our minds, we have thought that we don't realize um, excuse me, we don't realize that it's, it's poison we're carrying is toxic. These things are not only not from Jesus, but they contradict everything God is. So look to your neighbor again and tell them, that's not from your father. That is not from your father. I got a lot of kids, and I know some stuff that's from me, and some, some stuff that is not from your father. Amen, Michelle. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there. It just fit, you know. But y'all have kids, you know. Some, some take on traits of their dad. Some take on traits of their mom. Some take on traits of YouTube. It's getting bad in here. I'm going to take YouTube away. Dad, can we live stream? No. Don't ever say that to me again. Dad, I friended somebody. I said, did they ask for your address or your phone number, what you look like? Send you a picture? No. I said, okay, I'm watching. It's a dangerous world out there. It's like open prey to a flock of wolves. And just because you've grown don't mean you're not open to the flock of wolves. You're open really good when you say, I love Jesus. When you claim it, profess it, we got some baptisms coming up, they're publicly professing. Not only are they believing it in their own heart, but they're telling everybody else, this is what I stand for. And they just became a target for attack. Doesn't it sound so encouraging? Who wants to sign up for baptism? Two weeks, but it's true. But when you take that step of faith, you don't have to worry about the enemy's lies because he's a coward and he's a bluff. And so even though I know the attacks are going to get bigger, my shield, Mike, is stronger. I got some armor on now. The attacks are funny. Really? Did, did the devil egg my house again? I thought he was going to really hurt me. This is a joke. You know, so my question to you this morning is, what are you living with? I'm not talking about your spouse or your children or your, your uh, clothes shopping habit that won't get out of the floor. I'm saying, what are you living with up here that fits this, that is preventing a perfect love, a peace in your life that you can have? What are you living with? You know, the mental thing is the hardest battle. The mind games 
is the hardest battle I've ever faced. And I would probably, can I get a witness that somebody else agrees that like you can cut my finger with a fish hook and I'll bleed all over. I'll be like laughing about it. But if you take my heart and you mess with my mind, I can crumble into butter like, like my children who don't know they have a father sometimes that really has their best interest. So, so that never stops. And so what we have to continue to do is come back to the text to remember why we can get around that. And if we avoid the text, we avoid solution. Just because you hear it once don't mean it's going to stay good in your garden. You've got to keep replanting, retilling, and reharvesting to keep it fresh, to keep the peace, to keep the peace in your house. I don't know about you, but sometimes we have good moments in our house, and sometimes we have ugly moments. It's not just peace once, and it's peace forever. It's not rest in peace until we die. It's, it's peace, fight, argue, whatever. It's called life, right? But as you learn to develop peace faster, you can seize it quicker, you can find peace quicker. I don't know about you, but when you get married and you stay married for a long time, the longer you get, the longer you stay married, like the more you know the other person, you know how to resolve it faster. It's because you quit, you quit like making it about you. You make it about them and we, we become unconditional with that. And so you learn how to navigate peace faster. Most of the time. That's just one example. Some of us live in total fear because fear is the selling point of the media, in the culture. I don't know about you, but I really want to get encouraged. I go watch the news. Not. I'd rather be uninformed than depressed my whole life because I already know it's out there. And I don't need to know every detail to know that Jesus is the healer. And I don't need to know every detail of every moment of every day to know that I still need to pray for peace in this world. doesn't mean I have to live in that damage, that negativity, that pain, and so when we consume ourselves with the thoughts of fear, guess how we live? Fearful. But that's not from your father. Because he just said, that is not the love of God. So when you feel that, you can say, that is not from your father. That is not from God. That may be from the world. That may be you just having an upset stomach in your sleep. But that is not from your father. Because perfect love casts out fear. And there's a progression to this. It may be fear one day, and then it turns into worry. Worry is a lingering fear. I once heard a saying, I think it was in a song. I don't know if it was in a song. I'm starting to forget stuff. But it's like, worrying is like patting your head and chewing bubblegum at the same time. Like, it, it's useless. Doesn't really mean anything. Something like that. Worry is a lingering fear that becomes a routine. You see what's happening? Now I've taken seed, I've planted in my garden, and now I'm starting to give it some attention it doesn't need. One, one plants, one waters, God gives the increase, so does the devil, if you let him. What are you watering with? We, we, we get word to, to drive. I mean, it's dangerous, but if I sat there and thought about it all the time, I'd probably crash, because I'm distracted. We get worried about leaving our house, we get worried about having to see human beings in, in the flesh one-on-one -on -one without like a device in between us. You know, the, the more you feed the problem with um, in, introvert and, and not, not seeing people, guess what? It becomes more taxing to see them. It's like working out. What are you working out? You want to have people skills? Go get some by working out your people skills. You want to look good? You got to hit the gym. I can't figure out why I, why I feel so, so, so frumpy and why I'm getting so soft, Christine. It's because I don't want to work out. I'm God, like, God, why'd you do this to me? 
You want to fix the problem, you got to go exercise where the solution's at. Talking about it's not going to do nothing. Me and Michelle have this joke. We say, yeah, we thought about exercising. That's good. It's a good starting point. And that's just, that's just my thing. But, but, like, it could be anything. If we don't exercise where we're trying to change, we'll never see strength build from that problem to overcome it. Worried about money, finances, that's a big one. Politics, it's a big one. But there has to be a point where you sever the worry and you say, I can only go as far as I can go, and the rest I have to give away to God. Because if I start living in worry, then what happens? There's, there's a few steps here. It goes from fear to worry, from worry to panic. Panic. We always make this joke. Well, it's not really a joke, but all our kids have had some kind of issue when they're babies. And, uh, you know, croup or whatever. And I remember my mom was always so good at never panicking when a, a child was really choking or whatever. And so I just grew up kind of kind of like, I guess I got that trait. When my kids were hurt or something, I went into stealth mode and never panicked. Did I feel worry? Yes, but I knew that if that consumed me, I was hurting them. And so, so it's about focusing to prevent panic. When you get into panic, you can't think right. One time, can I talk about this? I grew up with anxiety. Can I talk about anxiety? Anybody have anxiety? Don't lie to me. Come on, somebody. It's like the number one mental disease in this country, if you want to call it that, or maybe it's a really bad habit. I can talk to myself here. I've been, I've been having uh, anxiety since I was like in the junior high, and, and it's, it's kind of come and gone, and you know, preaching helps, but it still lingers, and um, the panic, what happens is sometimes like if you have panic, you get into hyperventilation, and you know, we start hyperventilating, then you start getting like weird stuff all over your body because you're making your physical body react to your mental worry. You know, that's why they say stress causes gray hair. <laughs> that's why they say, like, go do something fun once in a while because your health declines. Like, it all stems from here in your mind. I'm not saying we're, we're, uh, we're self-contained beings. We have to have God in us to survive, but God gave us the ability to choose our thoughts and how to control them and how to get rid of them when they're ugly. Because you can't control what pops in there, but you control what lives in there. And so we get to this place of panic. And all you people who panic, like me, you're probably getting a little panicky, me talking about panicking, but you can just chill right now because God is good. It's all up here. That's the devil's lie. The devil wants you to just jump off the course. Remember, run the race with endurance. He's the author and finisher of our faith. The devil wants you to get off the track because you go, that looks like a long way to go. What if I don't have a water? What if, I, what if it's hot out and I get sunburned? I should never start racing down the path. No, God says go. I'll get you there, but you got to go. Remember Legion in the scripture. So I told you it was three verses, but I'm going to talk about a bunch of other verses that tie it all together. Remember Legion. Legion reached the point where his panic led to torment. Remember the man uh, bound with chains and fetters and he would cut himself and, and Jesus freed him in the swine. The, the, the demons went in the swine. Anybody remember Legion. Okay, Legion let this get out of hand. He probably was just a normal guy at one point. In fact, I think I preached on that. What was Legion like as a boy? Nobody talks about that. They just see his malfunction or his dysfunction. But what about when he was just a good old kid and then he started getting fearful? And then he started worrying about that. I was a real worrier as a kid. 
My son Caleb has got that gene. I'm trying to sever that right now because it leads to panic. And then when it leads to panic, it leads to mental torment that you allow to live there. And Legion just got consumed by it. So Legion, it, it can mess with your mind. And then, and then he just stayed there until that, see, those were, those were not the word of God. Remember, First John also said, try the spirits. In the beginning of this chapter, he said, try the spirits are those of God. The spirits that were in Legion were obviously not of God. So when you have those thoughts, you can cast them out the same way because those are not the spirit of God. That's not from your father. You getting this? It sounds silly, but this week when you do it, go, that's not from my father. Why would I let that get to this level when I know that is not from God? And if it's not from God, who gives a rip? I don't want it. Can we say give a rip in here? Is that like Christian cussing? I hope not. It just means who cares? It just means who cares? God is good. Who cares? If it's not from God, it's nothing. Because I got the Lord. I got the peace. And you know what? If you don't have the peace, all you got to do is ask for it. God will give you the peace. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek his name. A rewarder. If you seek, you'll get the peace. It's not from him. Out of those different tiers of fear I just mentioned, no matter which of those areas you might be in, whatever category you find dominating your mind on occasion, you can know that none of them is from Jesus. None of that is from him. So when you see it, you know you shouldn't have it. When you see it, you know you've got to get rid of it. Because if you fill that garden with that, how, much, how are you going to have any room for good things to grow? You've got to clean out the garage, spring clean that thing. So I started getting panics around junior high. And I think the reality of, I didn't know they were called panic attacks. I thought I just had a breathing problem and would shake really bad for no reason at all, Christine, except a pretty girl walked by. (laughs) I was a little chunky. I wore some strange clothes. And I didn't like the way I looked. You getting this? I didn't like the way I looked. So what did I do? I assumed they didn't like me either. You see what I did? I just projected my own dysfunction into their heart and said that it came from them. And so then I would get scared, scared in the process. I remember sitting, I played the cello. And I remember, yeah, it's cool. I still have it in my closet. I don't touch the thing, but I got it. Uh, Horsehair and rosin make the thing play great in case you wonder. So I had the cello and we do seating tests. And this, this isn't even like in front of a pretty girl or nothing. This is like, I started being self-conscious. And so I remember I had to do my seating tests. Okay. And I remember I I couldn't control my hands shaking by like the eighth grade. And I was like a whiz on the, on the stringed instrument until about then I started having these physical reactions. And it's because everybody was watching and I knew I wasn't prepared. Remember I talked about the kids who like dedicated their whole life to this and I was just like looking for the easy A. This is about that time I started feeling pressure from lack of preparation. I think if I went in there confident knowing that I knew my instrument, that maybe wouldn't have happened. But it took me years to realize it was my own self-projection 
creating these scenarios and it got worse. And get this, this is funny. This is funny. Get ready to laugh. By the time I got to college and I kind of got it together and like had friends and was cool and was like in better shape and like was athletic and did all these things. I play these halftime shows at this basketball game with a guitar and sing. And guess what? When the crowd would cheer, I'd still seize up and I could feel my neck doing this. And I'm like, I hope nobody sees that. And, and that's the point where it took over me because I no longer was, was consciously scared of this, but it, it had lived in me so long. It still was trying to take over. And this is like when it was good. I used to have to take medicine for that to stop the physical reaction of the, it was the strangest thing. And I battled that most of my life. And, and I even knew it wasn't anybody else that it was just like me, but I couldn't figure out how to stop it. So I'm going to tell you a funny story at the end here. I don't want to give it away about how I finally stopped it for good once in a while. I mean, once in a while, if I had like too much caffeine, I feel that old self trying to creep up on me, but I'm so numb to it. Now I laugh because I fought the devil so many times, you know, so I'm going to get to that. But that built into a thing that I had trouble controlling. And I know some of y'all have felt what I'm saying. It's not just me. But we go, where did this come from? So God told me in this message, he says, when you want to know where it come from, it doesn't matter. Just say, that's not from me. Because as long as you know it's not from your father, you can dismiss it. Because you'll never accumulate perfect peace as long as you think it's part of my plan for you to live that way. You got to get that out. doesn't matter. Don't give it any more thought. I was the kid who would like to really digre- uh, d- dissect and think through every detail of the thought. Why, when, where, how? It just makes it worse. My brother was always good about just saying, forget it, Jeff. Who cares? I was the, I was the ponderer. He's like, who cares? Who cares? Maybe sometimes he should have said a little bit of like, okay, we should care in this situation. But he was good like that. And I was always envious because he had that ability to say, who cares? I had to work at saying, who cares? And I'm much better now, but I still have to work at saying, who cares? If it's not from my father, I don't need it. If it's not God's will, if it's not there to bless me, help me, make me better, even in the battles, then who cares? If it's from God, give it to me because I'm equipped. Where did this come from? Who cares? It's not from your father. Let it go. God said that we can get to a place where our love is so full that it can just cast out fear. Boom. Audi 5G, devil, don't mess with me. I cast you out, it's done. I know that sounds nice, but you gotta believe on the word for it to spring up root. I cast it out in Jesus' name, it's done. I don't need to keep asking God over and over and over. It is done. So be it. Amen. So be it. That's why we say amen. We declare it, confirm it, and complete it in prayer by saying amen. I can't get rid of it without perfect love because the spirit of God is what overcomes the fear. That's how his love is expressed into our lives. That's how God moves is by the term spirit. He's a moving God who moves into his people and does things. And that's why the spirit is to lead and guide us, is, is to do that for us. We are not actually the one fixing the problem, but we are calling on someone that we know has promised us a solution that works. 
So if he promised us, I don't have to worry about if it works. He said it does. Perfect love casts out fear. Audi, it's gone. See you, devil. Wouldn't want to be you. And I move on. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's how you start. And then when you get in a fight with your spouse and you go, see, I knew the devil didn't like this. You got to recognize the devil don't like it. So he's going to try to trip you another way and another way. In another way, oh, you want your church to grow? Let me just make you as stressed as can be so you think you're not the one equipped for it. Oh, you want to be a pastor? Oh, you want to be a servant in the ministry? God's going to tell you everything that, he, that the, uh, the devil's going to tell you everything you think you're not because he don't like it that you're standing up to do something good for God. He doesn't like it because every step you take, that's why we preach it and preach it and preach it. Every step you take gets you closer to your purpose that God birthed you for. Your mama didn't birth you, God did. Your mama didn't plan you, God did. I had a friend once tell me, they did it all their way. They did it all non-biblical way. And they said, we just said, God, if it's not your will, don't let it happen. Well, I'm sorry, but I can go find some crack and take it if I want to. And I can say, well, it must have been God's will because I found it and I took it. That's the most asinine thing I ever heard. You know, I don't know why I'm preaching that. Because, now I remember, because, had to wait for that coconut oil for my coffee to sink in. It creates focus. Just so you know, put some coconut oil in your diet. It's good. We think we did it. I think, Michelle, we planned our family. Well, God put the baby in the womb. Because you can plant the seed doesn't mean the thing's going to turn into a baby. Learn that one. And, and sorry to get graphic on y'all. And, and like, you can, you can have the greatest business plan. You can have the greatest plan for the church. You can have the greatest plan, but if God don't touch it, it don't grow. You didn't know that was for God. He did. You know, like when people get blessed and they go, oh, just send me good vibes. Forget the vibes. Send me the love of God on my life. I can't stand that. They don't want to ask for prayer. They ask for vibes. What is a vibe? Mm, you're going to have a good day. What is a vibe? Does anybody know what a vibe is? Last time I, ch- I mean, it's okay. I know it's a culture cliche, but when you think about it, what am I sending? I'm saying I'm sending something without God in it, but God is the one doing it. So when you think you got a good vibe, you actually got a little bit of Jesus. You didn't even know it. <laughs> That's just something. I see it all the time. Send you good, vi- positive vibes. Well, thank you for not sending me negative vibes. Why would you do that? Do I have to ask for them to be positive? I mean, you know, anyway. We don't mean it like it sounds, but at the end of the day, God is going, they don't even know. They don't even know I did that. They don't even know, yes, they could have died in that and I spared them. They don't even know that they were inches from a car wreck. I just spared them. They don't even know half the time I'm blessing them, and that's okay because I don't need recognition because my love is so unconditional for my children that I don't care if they know back except eventually I want them to grow into this understanding so they can help me teach those who don't know to know. That's a lot of knowing. We can get to that. We can forget The Bible says, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, hell, where's your victory? That's what that means. It means you can get to this place. I'm not there yet. uh, The world can take your flesh away. And you can say, amen. 
Nothing can take the peace of God, even when this flesh stops. Because what lives on is spirit. The flesh is just a vessel for the time and space. And, and uh, we think physically, but we're in a spiritual world. So if our spirit isn't right, it don't matter how many supplements we take. If our spirit isn't right, according to God's word, that he says on the day of judgment, good and, good and faithful servant, well done, then it doesn't matter how much Botox I had. And my friends thought it looked good till that thing wore off, and then it looked really bad. Yeah, sorry if anybody, just speaking from experience, not me. Let's know some people. I know some people. Maybe it was like a, a, a bad job or something, Vincent. Maybe it wasn't the quality place to go. I don't know. It was just not, not good. Duck lips, can't stand them. Anyway, we can forget. We can forget, blame God, but when you forget, God says, that's not from your father. That's not from your father. So I want to touch on peace towards the end of this. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, the Bible says, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Okay, so how can you be a peacemaker when you live in hell all the time? How can you be a peacemaker when you live in torment all the time? Do you think Legion was a peacemaker? Not until Jesus got the demons out. Isn't that a bit contradictory? It's like a spring that's salty and sweet, like bitter and sweet. Isn't that a little contradictory? So when you want to be a peacemaker, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons and daughters of God. Do you want to be a son and daughter of God? You got to be a peacemaker. So how can you make peace if you live in panic? How can you make peace and declare peace if peace can't come out of you? I mean, it's like, it's like a, a square thing in a round hole. It's not complicated. What comes out of you is what you, you give to somebody. It don't have to be fallen from heaven and angels singing for it to have a breakthrough here. This is common sense. You know, God has common sense. People treat God like he's so, he's so amazing that he has no common sense. He gave us the ability to have common sense. You know, you, you got the people that are so heavenly bound, they're no earthly good. You ever heard that one? Like, they can, they can quote every scripture, but they don't know how to tell me how to balance my checkbook that's taking my house. I'm not saying that's their calling. I'm saying God gives us the ability to apply this stuff in a practical way and actually change our day. It takes application. It takes routine practice. But my dad always said that, blessed are the peacemakers. I'd get mad at maybe when I was a teenager, I'd get into it with my mom or we're Italian, and I'd get into it with my wife, and he say, well, blessed are the peacemakers. You go first. But I'm right. Doesn't matter. Blessed are the peacemakers. A lot of things you guys hear me preach repeatedly, it's because it's just in me, because someone spoke it in me. Blessed are the peacemakers, period. There's no but after. There's no maybe. There's not only when after. There's no condition. It's unconditional. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. So to live in peace, I have to be giving peace and asking for peace and consuming peace, living in peace, and keep finding a way to keep that as my atmosphere. Well, it's hard. to. It's a pretty big problem we're facing. You have a pretty big God that loves you. It don't have to make sense. It definitely don't have to feel right. God will bless you anyway. Even, even I'm like, 
Why, God? Do you know God? He's like, yes, I know you did that. Like, you don't have to doubt God's love for you because you doubt your love for you, you know? And so God is bigger than it. God is bigger than the problem. We went fishing yesterday at this pond. We're trying to learn how to actually catch real fish, not fishers of men. I know we're preachers and all that. No, I mean like real fish. We're trying to catch fish. Me and Rusty were talking about this. We're trying to learn, you know, the difference between a jig, top water bait, a swim, a swim bait. We got a bait caster. We got some, we got some spin reels. We got, we got, we got, we, we, we're doing a little study on drop shots and, and uh, Carolina rigs and Texas rig and all this YouTube, 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 because we want to be good at what we're trying to achieve. Forget all that. We went to the pond at like six in the morning and it was so peaceful. Like we didn't have, my, my phone actually went dead. I was a little worried about that. Like how do I get on Facebook at seven in the morning and do nothing? My phone was dying. It was 15% when we got there, Rusty, and I was willing to let my car run just so I could charge my phone a half mile away because that's how sad I can get without my Iron Man device to keep me, my battery strong. And so we're sitting there and I got Caleb over there fishing and Kaylee, Kaylee caught seven fish. Me and Caleb caught zero in three hours. For real. Her kid's gifted. I don't know. She's cute. I don't know if like the fish are like, she's cute. She's seven and cute. Too cute for her own good. And they're like, I'm going to bite her hook. You know, I don't know what it's about, but she catches all the fish and they were good fish, big bass fish. And so I'm just sitting there and there was so much peace. In the moment, I wasn't thinking about anything else, though I tried to. Sherry, I tried to think about bills. I tried to think about email. I tried. See what I'm doing? I'm trained to try and keep it around. You've got to pause and separate it to recognize peace because it's a distraction. I've had a note on my phone, <laughs> go figure, to say put down the phone for like six months around, around eight o'clock, and guess what I have not done once yet? Put down the phone. I mean, how would I know it's time to put it down if I never check it? What are clocks? That's old-fashioned. <laughs> but I was on this pond, and today I said, that's the pond of peace. Because it's just nature. Everything about it represented God's creation. There was nothing artificial about it. It was a man-made pond, but the water came from a spring. There was trees. There was fish. And me and my kids. And it was so peaceful. And so that's a place we can go to in our heart anytime we want. I'm not saying it's easy. You know how you get there? Maybe turn on a worship song. That's how you start remembering how to get there. In the car, you know, you can worship in the car. That's how you get there. Only Jesus can bring complete peace, whether it's at a pond or it's in your car or it's in your closet. Only God represents a perfect love, and that's the only way peace really exists. Because peace is not peace unless it's perfect. It's perfectly settled. You can stand with me as we wrap this up. There is a real peace when we trust fully. Peace removes worry, removes fear, and overcomes. I want to read you this passage. Paul says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and supplication, or this says petition with thanksgiving, present your requests, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How do I find my peace? Prayer and petition Guess what worship is? Is prayer 
and petition through song, baby. Well, I don't know what to pray about. That's why I turn on the song. I let God send the words. I sing the words. God starts giving me a word to pray. Now I've opened up the channel for peace to come in. You can all have the pond right in your backyard anytime you want. It's right there. It's right next to your garden. You decide how far the the pond of peace is going to be from the steps of your garden. You decide how far that is. You can have it right there anytime. I'm getting my peace back. I'm getting my peace back. Jesus is the fullness of everything God is, the Bible says. He was the plan. He was the fruition, the redemption, and he was regenerated by the outpouring of the Spirit in us. So only that kind of love can bring that kind of peace. Nothing else will do it. What is it, the serotonin? That might work for a minute. Or maybe you, you know, maybe you just kick back something. I don't know, maybe you find a substance to do it. None of that works. Sometimes it reverses, it causes the problem to get worse, actually. Substance abuse, they call it. Only God can bring true peace because only God is what peace is. Only God is what love really is. If it's not God, it's not love. That's why you know when the relationship is weird and it feels a little sketchy and that they don't love you right because maybe it's not actually love. And that's okay. What matters is that you recognize it and how to overcome it. That's what matters. I wanted to tell you this story before we closed. I told you I was gonna touch on this junior high thing. When we planted the church, my biggest fear was talking to y'all because I was like a guitar player musician and if I could sing I was fine but if I had and even when I used to sing I had to take pills if it was a new place I still get the shake thing did this all my life still had to had to do it and 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 I remember a church we were at got ready to announce that we were going to start our own church which they weren't happy about understandably and and I remember being so scared to stand if they recognized our family because of the, the neck the shaky thing because I could feel it. So I'm like, how many drugs can I find to keep me calm (laughs) during church? I know that sounds great, right? But I didn't do that. And I came to this conclusion with God, like, God, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this coming back. How do I fix this? And I remember him putting this thought in my mind. It's a a scripture and I'm paraphrasing here, but I just kept saying, I'll fear no man if God is on my side. How could I fear a man if God is on my side? Because I knew my panic was fear. I knew my fear was um, judgment, it's judgment. It was worried about judgment. And so I knew that if I trusted God and it was his will, nothing could stop the church from growing and being what I felt like he called it to be. And so I remember standing there, standing there saying to myself, I fear no man, the Lord is on my side. Like I'm telling myself that in these moments on the spot because I had to capture peace again. You get it? And it went away, it went away. And it tries to come back. And I just said it the other day. I got confronted with a situation I hadn't dealt with in a long time. I said, the Lord is on my side. I will fear no man. And I just kept saying it. And I said, I'm 43. I'm not 15 anymore. I don't care if they're around me. I'm not going to be intimidated by that. The Lord is on my side. I shall fear no man. And I say it like I mean it, even at home. That's what you got to do. Grab your peace. Don't wait for it. Go take it. Take the peace with you. It's good. God is good. Come on, give him a praise.
Let's bow our heads and give thanks today. God, we're thankful for the perfect peace that casts out all the seeds of the enemy, that rids our minds of the torment, the fear, the worry, the panic. There is no greater love than what you've done for us, Lord. We recognize it, we claim it, and we take it into our life that tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it doesn't matter. I've got a peace that can't leave me because you said I shall never leave you or forsake you. And so when I claim it, I may not feel it, but in order to feel it, I just got to remember it was already there. I give praise right now, God. I thank you. I shall fear nothing because you are on our side. The church shall feel nothing because the Lord is on the side of the church according to the gospel, which will prevail in the end in a world that is lost. It doesn't matter because God wins in the end. And we give praise for that. And we thank you, Lord, now. And if everybody can say, in Jesus' name, amen.